Welcome back, everybody, to Rules of the Arena number 63. This week, I'm back and had the opportunity to chat with Sam Spade. He is the vocalist of the Midnight Devils. The Midnight Devils are a national touring, high-energy, glam-slam, boogie-woogie rock and roll band out of Omaha, Nebraska, and Chicago, Illinois. Featuring Sam Spade on bass and vocals, Chris Sniper on guitar, and Jimmy Mess on the drums, throwing all caution to the wind, this power trio is a badass lipstick-smeared party rock and roll band that takes glam to the next level. Uh, it was a great time talk to oh, Sam. And we're live. And I hope you guys Sam, welcome it. to the show. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> appreciate you being patient with me the last few weeks. Sorry, it's been a little bit of a dumpster fire trying to get you guys on here, but appreciate no, you no, taking no. the time this afternoon. No problem at all. It's really my pleasure. I appreciate it. appreciate you inviting me. Yeah. Would you guys, uh, or would you please just introduce yourself to the folks listening at home? Sure. My name is Sam Spade. I'm the lead singer and the bass player of the Midnight Devils out of Omaha, Nebraska, and Chicago, Illinois. So, uh, Chicago, Illinois. So, what was young Sam Spade like growing up in the Windy City? Uh, I didn't grow up in Chicago. I grew up in Nebraska. So, oh, okay. our drummers, we're Even split worse. over three <laughs> three three different cities yeah uh i grew up in a smaller town in nebraska and uh i was like i played football i did sports and uh one year i decided that i was going to grow my hair out and it was the, <laughs> this the biggest controversy and in, in, in the family is you know still is and i i had just decided that i wanted to you know kind of not not be an athlete so much as be in a rock and roll band. Sure. And it took me a long time to get to that spot, but, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of there. <laughs> so when did you first get involved with music and did the music come first and then grow the hair out or grow the hair out and the music came after that? No, it was the music. Definitely. I was uh, 18. I remember, uh, right. Not 18. I was thir 13, probably eighth grade is really when it, when it happened, I heard kiss, uh, Detroit rock city. Like I went to a, uh, private school so this dude brought in kiss detroit rock city played it and it like blew my mind <laughs> and that was the moment i was like this is what i want to do i had my parents give me a guitar and everything and you know kind of build the build upon that idea is like that that dream and in that instant you know hearing those songs i became this huge kiss fan and, and really rock and roll music had just kind of like creeped in and it became my entire world <laughs> you know somewhere i i God, I wish I knew where it was. I have an original pressing of one of the Kiss albums. I can't remember which one it is now, but it still has the the Kiss Army fan club sign-up. Oh, yeah. Still in there. Yep. <laughs> My buddy gave it to me. He's like, ah, I don't want this anymore. Here you go. And God damn it. I was, I was just, I was telling somebody, like, I would, we would go, it was right around the time that they were having in like 96, these Kiss conventions or whatever. And so I would get dressed up and do, do my makeup and pay myself up and go to this kiss convention there. I look completely normal. After we left that, we would go to this dance club to try and meet chicks. Of course, not one chick would talk to me when I had full kiss makeup, you know, <laughs> not one. No, you're probably only one down in small town, Nebraska, looking like the rock star lifestyle. Yeah, that's exactly it. There's not, there's not a lot of glam rock dudes rolling around in Nebraska. <laughs> So when and how did you said you got a guitar? So when did that turn into you playing the bass and taking over vocals? Yeah, uh, I got the guitar at 16. Took my parents like paid for lessons, the whole thing, and uh, joined my first band when I was 18. And we ended up playing guitar still. We ended up touring all over the country, like terrible punk rock music. Uh, and but it worked, you know, it was cool because it was like four of the kids and we were wild and we were crazy. And and it was really, 
you learn exactly what to do and how to make touring touring work. I played in, in a couple different punk rock bands. And then uh, when I was 20, my buddy took me to the show of this 80s hair metal tribute band. And I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. Like, we're, <laughs> we're, we were like stage managing them. So we were mm -hmm. doing all the roadie stuff. And my buddy got fired and they asked me to join. I was like, cool. So here I am stage managing, uh, you know, changing out guitars, doing all this sort of batteries and costumes. It was kind of ridiculous. And one day the bass player left and he knew I could play. Uh, play guitar he's like will you learn all the bass parts i gotta like i gotta do this thing you gotta fill in for me and our guitar player right now sniper goes you know what you're not gonna be his filling you're gonna take his place this this is what's gonna happen so i learned all, all the bass lines to a whole set in a month and i was like okay i guess i'm a bass player now i guess we're gonna we have to start buying some thunderbirds and make this look really cool right <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, did you know sniper prior to being in that band or being a state no, manager at that point no we hadn't met uh we met through through the 80s hair metal band uh and i wasn't even in it he was he came in and i was his his stage tech for a while before i became a full-fledged member and it, we basically became best friends the very first night that we met we were like oh we knew there was something there <laughs> and we've been hanging out now uh for i don't know 10 years almost <laughs> And how did you meet Jimmy, your drummer player? Jimmy Mess, is it? This is, a, this is a good one, too. Jimmy, I had known, he's kind of like a, a staple in the glam rock community. He's very outspoken. Uh, he, he's another one that just loves rock and roll music so much. And we met on Facebook, and one night we were playing down in Rocklahoma. So the 80s hair band was playing. We had this giant tour bus. Jimmy's band rolls up. He was in Prophets of Addiction at the time with Leslie Sanders. He rolls into our tour bus with a joint that's like this long, like... <laughs> kicks the door up he's like where's sam and that's how we met and I was like, i'm like oh this guy's cool i like the, i like the way this guy uh handles himself and we went out uh we split after the show like went our separate ways and sniper and i booked a tour another rocklahoma tour with a different drummer he lasted four days on the fourth day he we, like, played a show in kansas city he walked off the stage and he never came back Never came back. I have no idea where he went. And we called up Jimmy. He's like, yeah, I'll do the rest of the tour. Just come and get me in Chicago. So we drove all the way, like 24-hour round trip, picked him up and no continued sure. the tour back down to Oklahoma. Talk about a hell of a pivot on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so when did the Midnight Devils idea first start to begin to take shape? And how did you guys come up with the name? It, it took shape when we were in the, the hair metal band. They, they had stopped booking so many shows. Somebody, somebody made a decision. We're going to not book as many shows. And that didn't really sit well with us. With Sniper and I, we were just like, man, we're, we're road dogs. This is what we do. We don't want to be sitting home on a Friday or Saturday night. So we started as a two-piece acoustic act playing uh playing acoustic covers with our hair teased up and <laughs> lipstick on in small towns tiny towns and sometimes it worked sometimes they would fucking run us out of the town because they, you know they thought we were, <laughs> we're we're gay or whatever and it was it was a hard hard fought battle and we decided we needed to uh we, and i was like we should call it the midnight devils we already had an album out called midnight devils and let's just take like like the Rolling Stones, the Clash, the Who. I've always wanted to be in a band like that. Mm -hmm. Just put the in front of it. And that's how the idea came out. <laughs> so that was what you guys came out 2016 officially? Yes. If I yep. remember it. And yep. I mean, what's it been like since then? I mean, what's their, what's your careers been like since you first came together with the band, you know, the Midnight Devils, and now here we are five years later? 
it has been uh, absolutely, it's been one hell of a ride. It's been awesome. I can't, uh, we've done stuff that I never thought possible and that I don't take for granted at all. We've worked our asses off. Uh, basically when we got Jimmy in the, in the band, we were already on a tour. And so we just kept doing these kind of uh, Midwest tours just do and build a build an audience, learn how to be in a band together, put out our own our own album in 2018, the something bigger record, self-financed, self-produced, everything like that. And we were like, Jimmy comes up, he's like, look, guys, we gotta do, we gotta, you know, take this thing to the next level. What we can do in our, in our, is change our, our direction, our path, and start doing tours out to the coast, to 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 LA, to New York. And they may be shitty punk rock tours. We're not going to make any money. They're going to be, you know, sleeping on the bus, on the van floor, whatever. But this is going to change our trajectory. And he was right, and it did. Uh, just even the, the you know, to tell people, hey, we've traveled, uh, you know, all over coast to coast with the Midnight Devils within two years is unheard of. Mm-hmm. And I really think uh, that has, has pushed us in the direction that we want to go. At the time, did you ever just kind of step back and like, what the fuck are we doing? You know, like you said, sleeping on the van floor, like, how is this going to get us anywhere? Did you ever have? Yeah. Adults? Yeah. A lot of the time. I mean, that and that's the thing is, is you probably talk to a ton of guys in bands that were like, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if anybody going to dig this. Like we are really busting our ass uh, driving no money everything you basically invest everything in this you lose all your relationships just is this the sacrifice that you have to make and i and i think the guys in our band are, are willing to make that they've proven it you know over and over that we just don't want to be a midwest band we don't want to be a band from omaha or for, from chicago we want to be a national touring act mm-hmm. and that's exactly like when i see that when i feel the hardships like would you really just keep pushing keep pushing because if it was easy <laughs> if it was easy you know everybody would do it and, right. and i know that nobody's going to give us anything for free we're going to have to work our ass off just to get that one little inch <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have to do a, you know a thousand times more work than necessary but it's worked and from where we were jimmy and i were just talking like we were up in chicago doing our, our new record and he's like did you ever think 16 year old sam would be uh talking to the guy that produced the kiss revenge record and <laughs> hanging out with chips enough like it is house and i go no man i never would have thought that i really wouldn't have <laughs> just find yourself pinching yourself like and this isn't a dream yeah. right <laughs> and, and i say that now until we're broke down on the side of the road you right. know <laughs> <laughs> it actually happened a, a couple of years ago as we were getting ready to go do an interview on site in the green room at a venue with a guy and oh probably eight nine hours beforehand there he's come up out of chicago coming to the twin cities minnesota he goes hey the van broke down we're running behind i don't know if we can do this i'm like do whatever you need to do i don't give a shit i'll just bring the equipment with if we can do it we can great and thankfully we were able to sit down for a little while but yeah good being on this side of the on this side of it more than just a fan out in the concert concert or in the mosh pit it's cool because you get to see you know outside of that you know half hour 50 minute set get to talk to guy. oh this is what it's really like oh yeah you know the occasional band that might do a song about how much they hate traveling on the road and shit but (laughs) (laughs) no i love it i love traveling and and we we're really good through through the midnight devils we've seen uh the entire country you know almost and we've seen amazing landmarks and stuff like that i met people from all over uh not just here and in the states but from england and and everywhere it's been really cool and speaking of touring, I was looking up some and watching a couple of interviews with you, and you had a story that you guys were getting shot at 
in a oh yeah out in a cornfield or yeah a grass field whatever what the hell happened there well we we played is is a place outside of Topeka and Topeka Kansas which is where the band Kansas is from you know uh it's pretty close to Omaha we'll, we go down there and play every now and again we hooked up with this bar that was more like a compound it was like a bar like five <laughs> different bars all set up on this compound i don't remember I can't remember why they had a compound like this, but we booked in a show and went really well. They invited us back. We show back up and we pull the bus in and the owner like comes out. And you imagine this guy on a farm in Kansas. He's already wasted. He's like, yeah, it's good to see you guys. Let me get you guys paid real fast. And he goes and he starts digging up this hole in the ground, you know, to get the money out of from the hole. He's like, hold my drink. I got to get this. I got to get your money. He pulls it up. He's like, here's your money. Let's have a great show tonight. And like 10 people showed up to this huge thing. And uh, we, I was like, well, fuck, we just got to do our set anyways. doesn't matter. And we did it. The last song, some guy comes wandering onto the compound. I guess like security must have been like drunk too. And he wasn't welcome. So the owner pulls out like a gun and starts firing during our last set. And he's like, <laughs> he's screaming, get behind your bus, get behind your bus, take cover. We don't even have time to like shut our amps off. We had to take our guitars off and ran and behind our bus while they like shoot it out <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> we're like well we're not gonna play here again i think right. that's the lesson learned <laughs> now that we're a few minutes deep here but we keep talking about your band you'd mentioned glam rock you know the rock and roll style how would you for newcomers i mean how would you describe your band style and how would you describe the album something bigger we tell everybody we're a glam rock band. Uh, we we grew up li- listening to, uh, you know, well, I did. It was like Kiss and, and the New York Dolls. And um, it was like early Motley Crue and, and Guns N' Roses and Aerosmith. These these rock and roll bands were not necessarily a 70s band or an 80s band or a hair metal band. We don't really fall under any of those categories. You can say it like that, and I don't take offense to it, but that's not really what we are. We kind of mix this uh we kind of mixed the New York Dolls with this boogie woogie element of like Elvis and and Jerry Lee. Now Jimmy will say like he doesn't like Elvis or Jerry Lee Lewis. He's like the Ramones. That's his style. Mm-hmm. He loves the Ramones and just this trashy, trashy punk rock. And it's this cool mix. Now the thing that makes us unique is that we're we have a guitar player that's just absolutely incredible. He's like this stunning Eddie Van Halen. You know tap 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 just destroys and he's really the musical leader of this band sniper and he's kind of the one that that really has brought us together and made us a, a very tight unit it's just expected we don't rehearse that much because we live far away and so it's like you need to know your songs if you don't know the songs you're gonna get punched in the face that's really that's, that's really how he is and i appreciate it and it's made me such a such a better musician and overall entertainer being able to bring it every night and the new album or the, the something bigger record is kind of that mix between uh boogie woogie and this we, we just call it like this party rock and roll because that's really what it is that the basic is that we're three guys that want to come out get dressed up and we want the crowd to look good and we want everybody to be out there drinking and dancing their ass off and and getting high and and then we'll go to the party after the show and we'll party there all night that's really what <laughs> what we do and i i like it uh, i'm not by any uh, means a aficionado of the glam rock or even hair metal uh-huh. era, but I enjoy the shit out of that album. I've been listening to it and I either I want to go drink a shitload of beer with my buddies, or I just want to go down the highway at Mach one 
yeah. with the windows rolled down. It's just a yep. fun album to listen to. And Sniper is just a hell of a guitar player on that. Yeah. Yep. And that's what I'm saying. Like he's, he's just really with the one that it's, it's even though I'm the lead singer and I'm leading the band, he's the guy off to the side that, that I'm taking my cues from and I'm watching it and he knows what, what's going on, no matter what else is happening in the entire stage of the crowd, he, he's got it together. Mm-hmm. And so he, you know, so he's the guy kind of in charge on the stage. It's well, when I was looking you guys up and kind of going through different interviews and everything, it's like, you seem to be the PR guy. I mean, right. That, was that intentional or did you guys sit there with, you know, whoever draws a short straw has to go talk to the idiots with the microphone? <laughs> no, no, I love doing it. I love, I absolutely love it. I think it's really cool. Like I was doing, uh, inter- interviews earlier, not interviews, but like videos earlier this today. And I go, why am I doing this, man? I'm tired. And then I, the, the camera starts rolling. I'm like, I love doing this. This is so good. <laughs> and go back a little bit in time here. What was the process like for you guys? putting together that first album and you said you're doing it independent. I mean, what kind of hiccups were you guys coming up against? We had never done, I had never done a record by, by, by myself before. So like, I didn't even know where to start. <laughs> we were just like, okay, we know we can't t- tour without songs. That's really where it starts. Okay. We know we can't tour without songs. we got originals. Cool. Let's write, uh, you know, five or six more originals. Let's go to, uh, we got a buddy in Omaha, uh, uh, Greg Turner, produced kind of the first record he's got a studio just opening up he'll give us a really good price and we can go there and just iron the kinks out see if we can even possibly do this and we did it uh we did it all and it was it was very painless like it wasn't as, as tough as i thought is the learning curve of what to do and what not to do you know how long is this going to take how long do we want we need it to take how much money do we want to spend and and th- how are we going to even record? That was cool because I'd never recorded lead vocals before. It's the very first time. So you just kind of learn that stuff. What, what do you like? What, how do you like this process? Once the album was done, we're like, well, who does artwork? How do you even get that done? I had no idea. (laughs) You know, I had to find a graphic graphic artist who went through uh, album covers that weren't, weren't good. Like just wait and wait. And then finally, like, now we're like on this thing where you're like, okay, I know exactly what I need to do for the most part to get a record mm-hmm. out. In those early days, did you ever jump on social media? Like, Hey artists, we need help. You know, so who wants to work? No, because like I, that? I didn't want to, I didn't want it to appear like I didn't know, mm-hmm. you know? So I would, I would hit up all my contacts and everybody I knew. And that's not exactly what you have to do. Jimmy was a huge help. He'd put out albums before. So he'd kind of point me in the right direction and I'd find out which way, uh, was the right way for us. And, and speaking of the, the songwriting itself, I mean, being spread out so far from one another, I mean, did you guys get together and, you know, Sniper is just playing along in guitar and you were kind of writing vocals of that? Or did you guys yeah. kind of do your own thing separately, come together, mesh it? Yeah, for the first record, we we had songs written and Sniper and I work really, really well together where we can kind of take the brunt of the songwriting and, and be like sequester ourselves in his basement and and bang these songs out and i would have i would have lyrics and and song ideas and bring them to him you know it would just be three or four chords gcd and then next thing you know he sniperizes it <laughs> the song is awesome so he would do the same thing he'd like have this awesome shred and riff he's like i need lyrics and i'd be like how am i gonna figure out lyrics over all of this i don't know <laughs> right. but it, i've realized that the songs that we write together are the best songs that that the band comes out with and yeah, I could, it blows my mind. I cannot write music to save my... I have a more of a classical music background. Sure. Two parents were band directors, and I grew up you know, <laughs> playing in band myself. But 
I can perform it if you give me six months, but you asked me to go, Hey, go write something and yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. And we would just, we would do the songs, especially on this new record is we would do the songs and record them and then send them to Jimmy and be like, know these songs by the time we get to Chicago. And that was it. We don't rehearse. We don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking just for the general public, when people hear, you know, glam rock, the hair metal party rock, I think a lot of people are going to automatically go back to the 1980s, like you we mentioned sure. before, and the big names that are coming out of that era. So why launch a band with this style in 2018? You know, air quotes, it's outdated, not to discredit sure. by any means. We had been through, I mean, at the bare, at the bare bones of why it is, is because we love... We love that style of music and that's what influenced us. And we knew that we had to be different. We knew we had to do something that was unique and completely ourselves. And I think, I I, I don't think I know that when you're in front of an audience, if it's completely real and from the heart, the audience will latch on to that. If it's guys in wigs and, and they're not really believing it, the audience will be like, I like that song, but I don't believe what these guys are doing. So we kind of looked around and we're like, well, there are no glam rock bands anywhere. I mean, there's, they are, there are, they're here and there, but mm-hmm. there are little pockets all over the United right. States. And we're like, we can do this. We can do this bigger and better and sleazier and nastier. And just, we just kind of call it hyper glam rock, <laughs> just over the top, as over as the top as you can possibly take it. We can do this and make it work because nobody else has the balls to do it. And that was really where it boils down to. And we've done shows with, with death metal bands, with punk rock bands, with, with wrestling and, everybody wants to party and we figured it out. Like everybody <laughs> wants to be entertained. Everybody wants to have a good time. Nobody's doing it. We're going to be the guys that do it. And we're going to do it the best. And, you know, doing the shows and everything, you know, over the last few years, I mean, have you guys kind of got your own system down now? I mean, do you have like your, your pregame ritual, if you will, or how do you guys prepare? Cause you know, I, my largest speaking engagement I've done was 300 people and I about uh-huh. shit bricks right there. <laughs> yeah. Let alone, going out and performing yeah like a, a normal show especially on we, we did a tour before the before covid hit it was it was this the biggest tour that we got our dreams have come true we're playing with the choir boys uh 30 shows across the united states and it kind of uh we were we we're just thrilled just beyond thrilled playing big rooms with with pretty decent crowds and for that tour it had become the ritual was really cool is we would drive all night to the city uh, play the show, or like do the sound check at three, play the show and drive to the next city, sleep on the bus in the parking lot at the venue. You didn't have time. We didn't have time to, to get. So your capricial ritual kind of becomes like, it's not even uh, like t- an hour before the show. The pre-show starts at two o'clock. When you wake up, you got to load. You're like, where are we at? You got to load all this gear in. You got to find dinner. You know, figure out how to find dinner in a strange city. And then, usually about an hour before the show hits, it's like makeup time and, and getting dressed and ready to go and focusing your energy. And the makeup really is just us sitting in, a, in all in the same room or sitting on our bus, just cutting on each other. That's essentially an hour of us talking shit to each other <laughs> as we put on our makeup and lipstick, just to kind of get in that frame of mind and make sure everything's cool. Everybody's on the same page. We're ready to roll. And they'll take the lights down and it's time to go. And, and on that tour, it was like you do 45 minutes get off stage, tear everything down as fast as possible. And you had all night to just kind of hang out and, and look for trouble before we had to get the leave for the next city. 
I mean, do you ever get nervous before you guys step out on stage? I mean, I think a yes, certain level of nervousness is healthy. Yeah. Right. And, and much like you, you probably know this too. I think you got to recognize that that adrenaline dump that you get or that that adrenaline that you're getting isn't isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing. And that it can aid you in doing uh, incredible stuff. And that's really what I think. Like when we look out and see a huge crowd, I get so nervous and I go, okay, I got to harness this energy and, and give it to these people that are in front of me and bring everything, leave it all on that stage so that I know 30 minutes later, when I walk off, I won't remember a damn thing. And that's kind of the shame is you don't really remember anything, mm-hmm. but yes, nervous. Absolutely. I mean, and you mentioned pandemic, it, it cut your tour short. I remember reading, I mean, how have you guys held up since then? It's been tough and it's everything it's you're reinventing everything right now. Every band is on the same level. Nobody knows when anything's going to open up. Really. We have an idea, but we don't know for sure. So, you know, before the pandemic, our tour model was let's go out two weeks. Uh, that's enough time to get to one of the coasts and back or a destination, make a big circle around. We're going to tour two weeks, come home for two weeks, two or two weeks, and, and just do that and put an album out. With the pandemic, you know, we, we were on the tour of our lifetime, which got us hooked up with a good booking agency. So for all the bad that there was with us getting canceled, it was, it was a good tour for us because it got us hooked up with our agency. And through our agency, we got hooked up through Pavement Music, a record label. So it as the, the, those are the good things that came out of being in the pandemic. Now, now we're just like, and the other good thing is we had time to write the record. You know, this new record that we're working on right now, we had time to actually sit down, write it, and and take these songs and turn them into something that, that we're going to be proud of for, and be able to tour for the next year. And now we're just getting to the point where we're like, how are we going to tour? How is it going to happen? And it's kind of looking like shows are going to happen, festivals are going to happen, one-off dates here and there are going to happen uh, for, for most of the year. And then we'll really large-scale touring will start back up mm-hmm. next year, I think. Yeah, I've already started to get some emails from concerts I had tickets to last year saying, hey, the, your rescheduling date, your your ticket's still good, and it's happening this fall. It's like, finally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, just, like I said, just as a fan, I didn't realize this, how much I needed concerts. I mean, it's yeah. something about going there. You know, you joke with joke with friends and my, my family that, you know, mosh pits are actually just group therapy for everyone. And then you take that away from a year, and a lot of people start crawling up the walls on that yeah and, and i was going to ask you if you've taken the time to work on new material and i know we i've interrupted your you've been tracking some new lead vocals this week yeah you have a timetable on when the album's going to be coming out or not yet early? not yet it's still early but i'll tell you this i was thinking about this on the way over we're we're at least three quarters of the way done uh, we just got to record like we'll, we'll have one more session to record and then it'll go off to mixing and mastering and uh we'll, we'll put it on um i think we're going to do vinyl this year for the vinyls and tapes and cds i think we're just going to go and blow it out of the water and, and be like this is our our major our major label debut let's uh let's really make this something that that is going to stand out in people's mind so uh we're up in chicago recording with with chips enough from enough enough producing it is is what's happening right now have you, it, I'm curious, have bands or you know, record labels or producers been keeping their hand on the, or fingers on the pulse? Because I've seen a resurgence in, in vinyl, I'd say probably within the last year, maybe year and a half. And I thought it was just maybe because social media, you know, how it likes to direct mm-hmm. ads at you, but is that seem to be going across the industry right now? Yep. 
I, you know, I work at a record shop here in Lincoln, Nebraska, and we've seen it such an increase. If the record store has only been open a year and a half, we've been open a year and a half, and we've seen this giant increase at, to, to the point where when I started working at the record shop, I don't know that I would have put a vinyl record out with, with the Midnight Devils. A year and a half later, I'm like, we're definitely, it's the only way we can put a record out. We have to put out vinyl. It has to be cool, splattered, colored, neon, really awesome. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's coming back and I think uh, people are buying more records now. It's a cool medium and it always was. How are you balancing, you know, the band lifestyle and work on top of, you know, if you're working at a vinyl store too, how do you make time for both of those and sleep and eat and everything else you got to do in a day. <laughs> no, that's, that's the tough part. Uh, luckily I have two cool jobs and they both do with music and I don't hate, I don't like wake up in the morning and go, so I hate my job or I don't want to go to work. <laughs> so I, you know, I work at a record shop, which is essentially you go into work and you talk about Kiss records and, and you become a complete nerd about collecting. I have this huge collection that's cool. I don't mind going there. The other job I have is I'm, I, I DJ and that's just playing music and making people happy and being the host of a party. And that's, that's really DJ at a strip club. That's really it. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, so my jobs are easy. And, and when I think about it, it gives me the time that I need to, to work on band stuff or to work on lyrics or to really focus my attention. And I don't have to wear a uniform ever. Mm-hmm. Working two jobs and then trying to write an album. I mean, do you, put in your calendar, like, okay, from on this day, from noon to two, I'm going to work on music or do you just let it hit you and this kind of scribble and do what you can and put it together later? There's a little bit of both, especially right when, right when the pandemic hit, I was really hell bent on writing the, the whole record while everything was shut down. I go, this is the perfect time. This is like somebody telling me this is the time you can't go out. You can't work. You can't do anything. You need to write this record. Cool. Boom, boom, boom. We got it done. Everything opened back up. And I'm like, I already have all the songs that in the back pocket. So now it's just all about getting this recording them. And did Jimmy and, uh, and Sniper do the same thing on their sides or were you guys yep, kind of Absolutely. Yep. Because Sniper and I were in complete contact with each other going, we need to do this. We need to get these, these songs done. And we hired a, uh, this is what we did is we hired a, a, like a fill-in drummer, one of our, our friends to, to record a demo with us so that we could have all the songs tracked and ready to go to send to Jimmy. Sure. That, that's how we got over the distance. And now that you're, like you said, you have, it's going off to mastering, remastering soon and, or mixing mm-hmm. and mastering, excuse me. How much of a hand do you guys have in that? Or do you just let the producer do their thing, send it back to you, say yes, no, adjust this, that, and the other thing? We, we just met him. And this is the cool thing. Uh, we met who's going to be mixing and mastering. And it's a guy named Chris Diamonds out of uh, Stonecutter Studios in Chicago. And so Chip told us, he's like, I got my, I got my guy. He's going to help us. He's going to mix it. It's going to sound fucking incredible. Fucking fabulous. It's going to be the greatest thing ever. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I've heard these things before. And then he says, Chris is going to do it. Chris Diamonds. And I look up his Wikipedia and he's like, Chris Diamonds produced records, Kiss Revenge. I go, Kiss Revenge, their 1992 album. <laughs> this guy's going to fucking be awesome. This is going to be the coolest thing ever. And and we went in there and met Chris. We went into Stonecutter. It was two days ago we went in. And he's he's a fan like us. He loves Kiss. He loves Alice Cooper. And it, he thought it was cool that we were in a glam rock band that was, that was doing this and that he got to be a part of the project. It was really, like, uh, I was kind of in shock. That I was, like, it was another one of those moments where you like, pinch me, is this really happening? <laughs> So we decided that we're going to travel back and forth and kind of be a part 
of the mixing and just be in that studio and be in that environment and really immerse ourselves in getting the best sounding record we can. So for maybe there's a band listening or a member of a band and they're right on that verge where they're looking for a producer. I mean, what should they look for? I mean, can they just go on and find a resume or should they, (laughs) you know, go through contacts like you have with other projects? I don't know. I, I have no idea. We were, we got very blessed in this in this instance where it was like uh, we had been doing shows with Enough's Enough and Chip was like, uh, J- Jimmy must have brought it up like, hey, we want to do this record. And he's like, I'm, I'll produce it. No problem. We'll put out a great rock and roll record. It's great. <laughs> I was like, OK, I, I can't say no. Like in, in my mind, like I wouldn't say no to Chip recording. He's sold a million records like mm-hmm. he knows, obviously knows what he's doing. And that's what I think you need to look for as a guy that not necessarily as good that, you know, it doesn't matter the equipment or, or the location of the studio, but a guy that's going to bring out the best of, of your band and your songs. And that's what we talk about all the time is like, don't, don't really fight it. If it serves the song, that's a great idea. Chip's there as the, as the fourth member of the Midnight Devils to make this an incredible record. His name's going to be on it. So he wants to be proud of it too, just like us. Sure. So what's coming up down the pipeline? I mean, for you the guys, the rest of this year and, and even next year, you know, you mentioned you're looking at tours and everything else like that. I mean, yeah. What can fans expect? You can expect, I mean, we're, we're going to hang tight. We're still hanging tight just like everybody else. I still think it's too early to go out and do, do the shows that we want to do. And that's been the whole thing is like, we use, we see bands going out and starting to play, but it's, it's all still restricted and limited. And with that doesn't work with the midnight devils. We're a party band with all your friends it just doesn't work for us and, and we're like we'd rather stay here and save the save this up for you instead of going out on the road and not doing it right at all so we i think we'll be out they just announced we'll be a part of uh the m3 festival in uh it's in columbia so i think we're doing the pre-show party for for the m3 festival in columbia maryland that's like the fourth of july weekend then we are hooking up with uh two other bands for a small midwest tour and then we go to Florida and we're doing a couple shows in Florida with Ingve Malmsteen. That's like the July. For some reason, July just popped up. And it's like, boom, you got all these shows and they're all over the country. <laughs> but more importantly, where can people find you on social media and where can they find your music and follow you guys around? We- we are all over social media. It's very easy to find the Midnight Devils, Facebook.com, the Midnight Devils, Instagram, uh, Twitter. All of it's the Midnight Devils, and we are on Amazon Music. Uh, what is it? Google Play, Apple iTunes. We're on all this, all the streaming platforms. I tell people like, you can listen to us on Spotify, but honestly, Spotify kind of sucks because they don't pay their artists. So right. if you want to be that guy, go ahead and do it. We're on Spotify, but I, I would suggest you, you know, go somewhere else to listen to somebody that pays artists fairly. Are you guys selling any albums online at all? Uh, like when the when the new one when it comes out, or even even uh, something bigger. I mean, do you have like yeah, yeah, or yep, anything we, like that? Yeah, we we have a website themidnightdevils.com that has all of our merchandise and all of our t-shirts and our, our album bundles, which is really cool. Uh, there's a couple left. We put out an EP, uh, an EP before we put out something bigger. So there's a five song EP with different artwork and it's taken this long, but we are finally almost sold out of these EPs. So they're going to become like a collector, yeah. a collector issue. 
And one last question for you. If there's anyone out there, they're looking to start a band or maybe they're looking to take the band to the next album, whether it's recording album, tour, signing with a label, where the case may be, what kind of advice would you offer up to them? I, I offer up, but if you have a dream, stop at nothing to do that dream. There's going to be a thousand hurdles. It's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. But because you love it, it's not going to seem like work. It's going to seem like this is part of the, the dues that you have to pay to get there. No, like I said, nobody's going to give you anything for free. So don't go out there expecting to get stuff without doing the hard work for it. It's, it's, it sucks. And that's the work. The, the other thing is that you have to do it from the heart. It has to be a real thing or else the crowd's not going to buy it. If it's real, if it's from the heart, the crowd will eat it up. They want to They want you to succeed. When a crowd watches you perform, they want you to succeed. And that's exactly uh, what, what if, if it's a give and take between you and the crowd, it, there's no limit to where you can take it. And so it's like, it, we grew up playing punk rock music, Jimmy and I, and, and Sniper, you know, he, played, he was playing five, six nights a week on the road with bands through the 80s. He paid his dues. Jimmy and I, we, we learned how to do all this stuff because we failed at it the first time. So like expect a lot of failure and a lot of learning, but eventually you can get there. Well, thank you again, Sam. Really appreciate you taking the time to chat with yeah. me. And thank you everyone for tuning in the live stream. We will catch you next time. Thank you. Sam, thanks again for taking the time to join me on the show. And the time this week and each and every week to take the time to listen as well you can find all episodes of rules of the arena wherever you listen to your favorite podcast you can also watch the video recordings on youtube and don't forget to check out my other show called no story left behind it's a podcast featuring military veterans sharing their stories from the time before during and after their military careers and make sure to keep up to date with new episodes and future guests and live recordings by following both shows on facebook and instagram at rules of the arena podcast and at no story left behind podcast you can also hang out with us during live recordings and ask questions on air by heading over to twitch.tv slash rules of the arena. Many of you have asked, how can you help me out with the shows? First off, tell people about ROA and NSLB. Ask them to check it out if you think they would enjoy it. You can also click the link in the show notes and check out the new website that's coming out soon. Hopefully, I'm shooting for July, fingers crossed, but no promises. <laughs> And there's going to be a new store available. I'm going to have t-shirts, sweatshirts, tank tops, and more available, again, hopefully July 1st. We're still working on a few things right now. And I'm going to have limited runs coming out in collaboration with J.E. Collins Photography and Cohen Hamelswang from Australia. You might remember him from a previous episode. So stay tuned for more information on that. And if you have any comments, questions, or would like to be a guest on the show, shoot me an email, gordon at blindninjastudios.com. Thanks again, everyone, and we will catch you next time.